rolling because we have a lot of stuff to go through today and um, this, there's going to be a lot of information. And if you didn't get a handout, this fine gentleman up here has handouts, so we can give him a round of applause. And he'll be responsible for signing your sketch papers. I, I won't. My credibility is kind of questionable, which is interesting because I'm doing this thing about lying and telling the truth. Your first, um, your first area of concern should be that there's inaccuracies in my bio. That's a bad sign. It says that I work in Forest Hills Public Schools. That is no longer true. I work at Zeeland Christian School, but I was at Forest Hills Public Schools for 21 or 22 years. I worked at Camp Roger as the program director in the summer. Um, and uh, now I'm at Zeeland Christian School, praise God. And uh, I'm really thankful for that. So we're going to talk about lying. You're interested in this if you lie a lot and you want to know how not to get caught. Is that, is that anybody here? All right. They're kind of dishonest. Many of you are totally dishonest because you didn't raise your hand. Or you might work with human beings who happen to be children. Let me give you a scenario. Often, when kids share in circle time in Mrs. O'Leary's third grade, Magdalena raises her hand and claims the same exact anecdote or bit of information that another student just shared. My family's going to Mexico, too. Oh, my, my dad's a police officer. My brother broke his arm this weekend, too, right? What do we do? Scenario number two, Peter is a seventh grader at the end of lunch recess. Peter's classmate, Charlie, comes up to you getting ready for your Bible lesson and says that Peter called him a very racist name and then punched him on the soccer field. And these are actually based on real situations. Peter comes into the classroom, interrupts the conversation and says, that's not true. Peter typically denies everything and often says things that are less than truthful. But Charlie has embellished in the past and also says things that are less than truthful. What do we do? Scenario number three, also based on reality with names changed to protect the guilty and the innocent. This was many years ago. Joe was a high school student, a minor, and has broken the law. He's got his hands on an AK-47. No license or permit of any kind. Law enforcement finds out and notifies the school that this has happened. And I, Aaron Kaufman, get to sit down with him to attempt to figure out intent. Is the school at risk? Are there other weapons in the home? I get to do what's called a risk assessment. Okay. Um, how serious was this? Um, well, I should tell you a few more things. It was on the front page of the Grand Rapids Press. It wasn't regular law enforcement that was involved. It was something called the FBI. Yes, it says right here, the FBI. And I get, I get to sit down with him, figure this out, try to figure some of this out, because he mailed the AK-47, so now we're using... U.S. mail to, to send a weapon 
illegally. Oh, and it was sent to a different country, right? So now we have an international thing going on. Mm. Yeah, these are based on real situations. Um, like, like I said, minor facts and names changed. The first two we're going to dig into a little bit deeper. Um, the third one we aren't going to go into. We don't have the time to go into today. I just added that one to give myself a little bit of street cred. <laughs> um, so yeah, today we're going to try to share some practical tools that you can use on Monday or later. Um, hopefully this will make your lives a little bit easier and your students' lives a little bit better. And we're going to talk about why it's so important to, to determine the truth and where everything is at. <clears throat> um, I want you to do a turn, turn and talk in a moment, not yet, to someone near you in groups of two or three, and that's kind of awkward because it's a stranger next to you and you're sitting and putting a halfway, so you don't have to make eye contact if you don't. That would be my choice, um, but that's up to you. So in, in a moment, turn in pairs or groups of three or, or so, and just I want you to talk for a couple of minutes about different stories or instances that you had um, where students were less than truthful with you. Um, if you've never had that, um, I hope you enjoy your first year of teaching someday. <laughs> and, um, and then if you, and if you have time, um, maybe talk a little bit about how you handled it, whether that went well or not. So two minutes, two or three people, talk about when a student was less than truthful with you, and I will ring a bell at the end of the two minutes or so. Go ahead.
sometime this year, that would be great. You know, we may share some things that you already know, um, and hopefully that will be affirming for you and a reminder or something that you can retweet and think about a little bit. Um, let's get back to Magdalena, right? She was our little, what grade is she in? Third grade. Um, so yeah, so when they're sharing time, she shares the exact same thing as other people, right? So now we're to our worksheet. Um, and yeah, which kid is lying and why it matters so much? First of all, I would love a brave soul or two to maybe give a hypothesis, no wrong answers here, just a hypothesis here of what Magdalena why is she doing that? Why is she? It's obvious that, that she's less than truthful after about the fifth time of doing this, right? What could be some possibilities why Magdalena might be sharing some things that are less than truthful? Yes? Magdalena might not be that she has anything interesting to share. Yeah, Magdalena, she doesn't, I don't got anything interesting, right? Totally. What else could be a possibility? Yeah, I want attention from others. I want connection from others. I want to be loved. What else? Yes, very much so. What else could it be? Other ideas. She wasn't paying attention and didn't know what to say. Yeah. Lost focus. Maybe she's trying to relate to that person. Okay. Like, hey, we have something to uh, Right, right. Let's, I want to connect. I want to relate. I want to, I want to build a friendship. I think it could be any of those. It likely is more than one, I would guess. Um, might want to feel normal, might want to make some friends, might want to impress the teacher. Um, she might have the first things that pop to her mind about her weekend might be scary things, right? Mm -hmm. It might be might be very difficult things. So I'm going to give you some quick strategies in the moment, and I would encourage you, these are not one size fits all. You might read one of these strategies and say, oh, that's not going to work for my student in that context, and that's, that's great judgment. So keep that in mind. Um, you'll use your judgment in, t in terms of how these will work best with your own students. Um, and these aren't necessarily prescribed for exact situations in exact sequences. All the things that I'm going to share with you today hopefully will be helpful to you in bits and pieces where you can use them. Um, so one of the first things that we'll often do with a child that says something that sounds like it's less than truthful, we'll say, is that true? How many of you have had a lack of success with that? I know I have, right? Student is sitting in the back of the class, they're obviously cheating on the math test, so they're deceiving you, they're trying to get a grade that's not their own, you walk up to them, you say, did you cheat on the math test? And suddenly, 
they become an angel and say, you got me, right? No, they don't say that. They deny and they build on that. So we try to avoid is that true generally. Um, so with Magdalena, I might, I might say to her, hey, is that something that's true? Or is that something that you wish was true? Um, and that gives her an opportunity to face. And tone is key with this. We're going to do our best to not talk down, um, not to use sarcasm. Um, the sarcasm and talking down and yelling tone is something I've never used with my own children at all, except my wife is here, and Lene could tell you very differently. This, all this stuff is hardest with your own children, by the way. Um, another one that I like to use that I learned many years ago is what I affectionately, or what was taught to me, and is affectionately called the puppy dog tilt. All right? And so, um, let's see, let's... Alright, Kurt, I want you to tell me um, a lie about how much you make at your job. <laughs> what, how much you make at your job? I want you to tell me a lie about your salary. I don't know about That's the puppy dog tilt, right? You know, they know that you know, you smile and you just tilt your head and that works a certain percentage of the time. None of this is 100% foolproof. I know for a fact that Kurt makes far beyond that. Um, another, another statement that we could say is something like, uh, let's let that be Tessa's story to share. How about you tell us something of your own? Or maybe you say something like, would you like me to help you tell something of your own, and you know something about her dog, or something like that. Um, the next strategy is below, the one with stars. The next ones are the ones I'd probably be more likely to use in a private conversation. Um, sometimes with, with a child, a, a camper at Camp Roger, or a, or a student, um, it can be just said, you, you just look at them kindly and say, I just, I kind of find that hard to believe. I didn't tell them they weren't telling the truth. I certainly didn't call them a liar. And then I'm silent. And we can chew on that a little bit. Um, the next one is, I mean, put three stars next to the next one. Um, this, this is used for sometimes bigger situations for when someone, you're pretty sure you think maybe someone has has stolen or has done something that was really mean or hurtful to another person, and you just ask them this, say, okay, when we catch the, you know, after we catch the person who's done this, because we're going to talk to a lot of people, what do you think should be their consequence? Do you have an idea of what their, for me, what their consequence should be? I've used this a number of times, and it's, it's pretty helpful, right? The, the, the kid that is innocent wants justice, and once it, once, say, the student who broke the window on purpose or put the graffiti on the wall to probably pay for it, to have to work, they might have a bigger consequence. That, that's the student who's innocent, more likely than not. The child who's guilty now has to chew on some things, right? Like, um, they then have an opportunity to say, well, I... I, I, 
well, how do I answer this, right? I've got to give something small because I don't want that for a consequence for me. And they might say something like, um, well, they probably didn't mean it and they should probably get a warning, and, you know, um, that, that kind of a thing. Um, and then another one, the if question, this might be my favorite one of the whole day. It, it, it all goes downhill from here after the if question. So um, they, they tell me this and they say, yeah, my mom, my mom said that I could stay after school here and sleep here tonight and have a bunch of friends here and we're gonna have a slumber party at the school or something ridiculous. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be quite that, but if you say to them, oh, if I asked your mom, what would your mom say? If, right? I don't have time to call the mom usually. I don't want them to wait here while I go call two hours later. I just say the word if. So when I don't know what to say, I leave it silent, or I say, tell me more. But in these situations, I often just use the word if. If. Um, well, Mrs. So-and-so, the school secretary, said that I could blah, 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 blah. Oh, do you want me to call her? Is that okay? And again, tone is very important. If I called the secretary and asked her, what, what would she say? At the end, what we'll do is we'll take some questions. Hopefully, we'll have time. And um, we'll, we'll sh get, to, get to share maybe some ideas that you might have and, and so forth. The if question, we can use that quite quite often. And sometimes I will make that call. Sometimes I won't. Um, sometimes the student will double down. Sometimes they're honest. It's just, it's, it's not 100%. Okay, so why does it matter? Why does it matter so much? I'm of the belief that helping students and helping ourselves learn to be more truthful is of important consequence. It's, it's consequential for our souls. It's scary for me a little bit, realistically, to stand here because I know and I know so many of you, and I and I um, and you know me well, and I can guarantee that I haven't always been a hundred percent truthful. So there's some hypocrisy coming here, right? Like I'm a sinner, and have I been deceptive? I am a work in progress, and I'm working at it. So it is a little bit scary, but number one, I would, I would suggest to you the number one reason why it's so important is because God tells us not to. We need to obey God. And if I put a bumper, I've thought about doing this, but I don't think they exist. If I put a bumper sticker on my car that said the word obey, would that be countercultural? I would say it would be. I would say it would be. Obeying God and that concept is, is not something we commonly see today. Um, I, I'd also suggest that if God had a top ten list of his most important rules, I'm maybe speculating a bit here, but my hunch is something about lying or false, false witnessing. Witness. <laughs> or bears, or something <laughs> beyond that list. Um, why does he want us to train up Magdalena? Or how does he want us to do that? Why is this important for her and to give her an out to help her be truthful? I'm going to give you an idea, and I'd love to hear some from yours. One of my ideas is that 
if she continues to do this, she's gonna alienate her friends, or it might become contagious with other kids. What well, might be some other reasons why we need to work through this a little bit and try to find some solutions. What might be some suggestions that you might have? Yes, please. If she's lying about something small, 100%, will that escalate? If we practice something, do we generally get stronger at it, right? Other, other suggestions, yes? I think it's important for her to know that she's enough and that her story, no matter what it is, is enough to be told. It doesn't have to be special or extra or match someone else. That the story God gives her to tell is the story she needs to tell. She is enough. She doesn't need to be extra. Could we say she's made in God's image, right? Like that is who, who she is. Any other ideas? This is great. Yes, please. What if she what is covering something that's scary that's happening at home? Might help us to uncover it and be able to help her. Right. If it's scary, something... I'm going to repeat these back because I don't know if you can hear in the back. So is it helpful if I repeat them back? Okay. Right. What if, what if she's covering something up and then by helping her say more true things and put aside the things that are less than truthful, are we going to help her share something that she really needs to share? Lying can destroy relationships. It certainly can erode um, our souls, and we don't want her to be galvanized in this dysfunction and in this sin. And I'd suggest one more. I think, I think when a kid misbehaves or breaks a, a rule or a commandment, and then nothing happens, and they lie about it, and they get away with it, I think all the other kids might feel a little less safe. Is that possible? Um, I, I think even adults can feel a little less safe comfortable when that when that occurs. Let's jump back to Peter and Charlie. So we're back to our sheep. So Peter and Charlie, there's something racist said, our head is spinning, we don't know who did what. Um, I'm going to give you some steps that can be taken. Um, I, have, I don't think I've ever used these exact steps in these sequences, in this sequence. But you similar things, especially in my role as an administrator at camp, less in my role as a social worker, because that it would be less appropriate for me as a social worker. But some, some steps, some disclaimers about these steps. Though if, some, if, if any of these steps go different than your school policy, you've got to follow your school policy first. Policies can be re-examined in time, but follow your school policy. Um, also, it might not always be completely practical, completely necessary to complete the steps or to go through. Again, you don't have to do them all in the same order, that kind of a thing. Um, but some things that I've learned over the years. Number one, it's, it's critical with those students in a situation is to separate them. Um, yeah, we don't want them talking with each other. We don't want them further escalating. They need a chance to cool down, right? Uh, I think it's important if we're a school where they carry, carry phones, I think it's important to have their phones. I, I, if we're going to take their phones, make sure that's something that fits your school policy. A uh, school that I worked in previously, one of the policies was if we take a phone, we don't look at what's on the phone because that can cause us more trouble than we bargained for. But again, that's a school policy thing. Um, why wouldn't 
Why wouldn't we want them to have their phones? Can anybody give a suggestion on that? Why wouldn't you want them to have their phones? And again, just <coughs> ideas here. I'd love some. Yes, please. Well, they can communicate with other people. Oh, yeah, I'm going to straighten my story. I'm going to communicate with other people that are involved. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Any other reasons why maybe we might not want them to have their phones? Yes. What's that? Yeah, they could be recording our conversation, and I'd feel a lot better if I consented to my conversation being recorded once. I was about 20 years ago. I was meeting with a student and his mother, and I was doing one of the risk assessments, and. I talked briefly with the mother and the student, and she left the room, but left her big notebook thingy in there. That's peculiar. And about halfway through the conversation with the young man, when I was asking him hard questions, I heard a click, and this is old school. So I'm pretty sure she was doing a little recording of what our, our little session was like. That was kind of unsettling. So number two, this is a challenge. This is where, where we need our administrators' help. Um, you'll need to hand, oftentimes you'll need to hand off something like this to an administrator. Because you've got a class to teach, right? And this is bigger stuff sometimes, especially if there's an injury or repetitive a pattern of bullying, if there's substance use involved, if there's some sort of um, um, racial, sexual insult kind of thing. Um, it depends on your level of experience, your availability, but oftentimes we'll need an administrator and we'll want these things to be handled as soon as possible. Um, memories change. Kids might get embarrassed or emboldened with time. Chances are the longer we let something go, if we don't handle it right away, hey, I got away with it. I, I'm emboldened. I'm, I'm going to stick with this, this plan. Um, other things might come up. If we wait till the next day, that child may go home, give their version to the parents, which isn't accurate. Now you've got a phone call from the parents, and it just gets a lot tougher. Um, now, about half of these things that have happened, in my experience, happened at about 2 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, or at uh. least that's how it feels sometimes. That's how it feels sometimes. Um, number three, we want to interview some witnesses. We want to know as many details as possible before talking with those who are most likely to have done something. Um, some schools have cameras. In my previous school district in Forest Hills, they had cameras everywhere, and it was actually helpful. And I know that's a big, big debate. Um, and somewhat controversial. But before I talk with the kids that, that um, have gotten themselves into some bad choices, I want to have as much information as possible so I know whether they're being truthful with me, so I can ask them more challenging questions if I need to. Um, <clears throat> if, if I'm going to talk with a student who, who I'm, I'm going to try to get truth from, I want to meet with that student individually. I don't want to meet with two students at once going back and forth with each other. Um, if there's, say, four individuals that um, may have put a squirrel and fireworks in a toilet and they were all in it together, I want to talk with them separate. That's a lot of work. I will probably have them write some things down. I might give them some, some questions. Um, what exactly happened? Who was there? Um, what, 
was your role in it? What were some good choices that you made? What were some bad choices that you made? Um, writing them down gives them time to think and be silent. Talking with them together will give them more courage than they probably already need to have. If I'm meeting with a student, I don't want to let them know that, hey, we're going to talk for 10 minutes and then you're going to go back to class. Because one of their hopes is that, hey, if I can just kind of stick to my guns and get through this, I'm out of here in 10 minutes, I'm good. So I don't want to give any timelines. I don't know how long this is going to take because I don't know how long this is going to take. And um, some of the strategies you'll see below is you ask them to think or write, and you get up and leave to give them some time to think. Um, it can be really helpful if you're trying to glean some truth to ask some basic, kind of innocuous, friendly, genuine questions at first. Like, you're on the, you're on the soccer team right this year. How's that going? Tell me a little bit more about how school went today other than this. What, how long have you been at this school? Who all lives in your house? You jot some things down or have a conversation. Because we want to grease the wheels of truth and uh, hopefully a lack of defensiveness. If I start in with some of the hardest questions, I think that wall goes up even firmer than it probably already is. Um, if I've gotten emails from parents and emails and notes from students and folks have written down some things, I want to print that off, I want to have that in front of me so I can refer to that when I ask the student questions. I want to be able to know what's what as best I can when I'm digging into this with a student. If I have more information than they do, there's a better chance I will help get them on that path to truthfulness. Now, is anybody wondering by a show of hands, wait, what if that kid is totally innocent? Has anybody wondered that while we're talking about this? Has anybody thought about that? Or, yeah, okay. So, so oftentimes in these situations, um, as you go through some of these steps, you do find that the student is very consistent with what they say. And it does line up with what others say. And it appears that they haven't perpetrated something. And that is great. That is great to find out. It's tough to know 100%, but if we can move one way or the other, that's, that's helpful. Um, you know, so I've got this file folder on the desk, and I'm looking through these notes as I talk with a student and I ask them things. Um, and I might say something that, like this. We've gathered a lot of facts and a lot of information from staff and students. You've got, we've gathered a lot of facts and information from staff and students. If they start to say, well, I didn't do it. <coughs> In those situations, what I've done and what, I, what, I, what I've learned about this is if I can interrupt them before they 
lay down five times that they didn't do it and they say, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. We aren't even, we aren't even to that yet. Hold on. Why do I want to stop them before they say, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Why do I want to stop them in advance? Why do I want to stop them in advance? Now they don't have a chance. They've lost the chance to tell the truth. Are they galvanized a little bit more in their deceit? Yes, yes. Like, okay, now I'm sticking to it. I've said it once. And I think there's a conscience thing going on there, right? It's like, oh man, if I can say it, it be convincing, and I don't want to change my stories, I want to be consistent. Um, another thing that that sometimes is helpful is to say, hey, look, I'm going to need to talk to your parents. We've gathered a lot of information. Um, yeah, what's their name and phone number? And I jot that down. Could I look that up on the computer and on our database? Yes. Right? But now they, it's, it's in their mind, eh, my parents are going to get involved in this. This is, this is serious. This is real. Um, and it saves me, frankly, it saves me from having to look it up later. Um, I think I've only ever had one student or one camper, I think, that maybe gave me the wrong number. That was kind of funny. Um, that tells you about the truthfulness a little bit right there. So I say, yeah, I'm going I'm, I'm to need to call your parents, but I would love, love, love to be able to tell them that you were truthful about this, that you, that you came up and, and you, you were honest about this. And we're going to get to that in a moment. So the kid thinks, okay, not all is lost here. There's some redemption possible. There's some restoration. And I want to have that theme throughout. Um, I might ask them to, to share what happened step by step. I might ask them to write it down. Don't forget anything. And then I might leave for a little bit. Why might I leave for a little bit? There's, there's, there's multiple reasons why I might leave for a little bit. Or why might you leave for a little bit in this situation? I'd love to hear some ideas. Why might you leave when you ask them, hey, write everything down step by step for me, please. It takes a while. What's that? It takes a while. Are you busy? Why else might you leave? Take some time to think about you being in the room. Yeah, they might they might think better without you in the room. Is anybody thinking this? Oh, go ahead. The guilt is overwhelming. Yeah, the guilt might be overwhelming. Does the Holy Spirit ever use guilt to help shape us? I I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, <laughs> to make them sweat a little? Others of you were thinking that, right? Um, I, I want students, I want kids, I want myself with a conscience. That's important. Um, it gives you kind of, it lets them know that you've, you've got some control here, and that's healthy. Did anybody think of this one? You have to go to the bathroom. Did anybody think of that? Because in these situations, I've got to go to the bathroom. I've got to go get a snack. I go to go talk with somebody about the football game coming up this weekend because that child needs some time alone. I might actually have to go see another student briefly, or I might have to this, this and that. Okay. 
Um, now again, as a teacher, you're thinking, I've got 25 second graders I have to deal with, and, and a lot of this, as a, as, a, as a kind of a series of steps, this is largely for older students, however, sometimes these concepts broken down a little bit in small pieces can be for younger students. But if, say, you're a 7th grade teacher and an 11th grade teacher and you've got a classroom full of students, obviously, you'd have to be pretty amazing to be running both of these things at the same time. It's not impossible, but again, that's where you're going to need some help. Um, sometimes we'll stand sometimes while the student sits. Um, I might need to stretch my legs. It kind of helps them know, hey, there's an adult here that might kind of understand what's going on. Silence, number 11. Write down what the student says if they share some things with you. They talk a lot faster than I can write. And that's helpful because it creates silence. And I want to get these things down accurately. I want to be a truth teller. Use pauses. Um, the Magdalena questions above are the ones below Magdalena that had stars on there. Um, the if question, what consequence, you could use those questions too. Um, asking, hey, I wonder if you remember anything else. Or, um, I think maybe you've forgotten something. I think there might be something you've forgotten. And maybe give them a reasonable out. Hey, you were not, you did not mean to make his nose bleed. You were just really upset. Um, or, and I want to be truthful, I want to say true things. You could say, I'm guessing you didn't want to make his nose bleed. I'm guessing you did not want to prevent the bus from coming back to Chicago when you carved up the tires with that knife. You weren't planning on ruining the trip. At least I don't think you were. I want to give them an out so that at least, at least there's a better chance for them to say, all right, there might be some restoration in me being truthful. And then at the end, it goes to that word restoration. We've got to work towards that. Asking them this question, how do we make this right? Okay. We don't have to give them an answer of what we thought happened. Um, but we want to infuse God's grace in, in, into the relationship. A lot of our love talk in our culture um, and kindness and compassion is a very narrow view of love, be nice to each other, and I think that's all good stuff, but sometimes love involves hard things, and it involves a mess, and it involves grace, and it involves consequences, and it involves truth, and it involves work. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I learned another strategy that I'll share with you, um, and I, I'm not sure if I have this on the sheet, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. What do, you, what do you think others could have seen that would have made them think you might have done that? What do you think others could have seen that would make them think you might have done that? 
sat on the sheep. True story, I've changed slightly the name and details. After school, a teacher, Alice, told me about being really upset with her ninth graders who weren't working late in the last hour of the school day that afternoon. They were chatting, they were playing, not doing their work, at least most of them weren't. She corrected them, she redirected them, and got upset. Finally, she had enough and she threatened them and said, all right, any of you who aren't done with this assignment, any of you who aren't done with this assignment can't leave at the end of this hour. You are staying after school. I don't care what you've got going on. You will be staying here after school. And she told me this. And we're going to do a turn and talk. We're going to do a turn and talk. What do you think happened after that? What do you think happened after Alice said, all right, everybody, I don't care if you got sports, you got bus, or how you're getting home, you're staying after school. And what do you think happened with those ninth graders? I'll give you about two minutes for a turn and talk, and I want to hear some of those ideas.
I think, I think sometimes being less than truthful is are like drugs. Like part of the issue is that the problem with drugs isn't as much that they don't work. The problem is kind of that they do work and then they stop working. Um, someday is that teacher going to be te tested by those students? I'd say, I would guess yes. Um, so, building a culture of truth, how are we any different? How are we any different? As Christians, um, you know, truth and justice are love. And I think we need to do some things differently. We need to model it and say true things. Um, yeah, there's a, a, a Camp Roger, we've kind of worked on this in our culture, and at a summer camp, we had to work hard at this in our culture, because it's big fun when you're 19 to say things to campers that they're gonna believe for the rest of their life that's just kind of a silly thing, except you're also telling them to believe in Jesus for the rest of their life, and now what are they going to believe? Um, and so we have to continue to push back on that because it's, it's done in fun, it's done in innocence, but we've got to say true things. In my house, we have that phrase, say true things. And sometimes my 10-year-old Annika will look at me and I will have said something and she'll say, say true things, daddy. <laughs> and she has me. And I, I've got to say thank you. I need that grace from her. Um, kids climbing a tree, we say don't climb the tree. Why? You'll fall. Is that true? Maybe. Probably not. You might fall. Um, hey, next week we're all going to the zoo. I can't remember what path, scripture passage it's found in, but it talks about don't say what you're going to do today or tomorrow. You don't know. We could be gone in a flash. It might rain. You said we're going to go to the zoo. Hey, we're planning to go to the zoo next week. We're hoping to go to the zoo. We've got, we've got it scheduled to go to the zoo next week. These minor communication life skills, if your students learn these in fourth grade and hear these in fourth grade, might that impact their relationships going forward in their life, like their marriage or how they parent? Could it? Um, Kid says, gosh, you guys are all stupid idiots. Hey, 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 hey. We don't use that word here. And the kid's thinking, we just did. So I might say instead something like, that's not allowed. Or that's not allowed here. That word isn't allowed here. Maybe you could say, tell them that you're frustrated with them. But that's not allowed. Um, this, is a, this is a personal thing of mine. Um, the how are you? And I think a lot of these things are done in very good intentions, but I just wonder if we're trying to build a culture of truth-telling. If instead of we ask somebody at CEA or church and we say, how are you, when we really don't have the time um, and the do we really want to know, I just wonder if it's better, and a pastor taught me this, better to say, good to see you. Because that's really what we're trying to say. Yeah. Now, if I have 20 minutes and there's somebody close to me, and they have time, then maybe, how are you, makes sense. Now, some of you later might pass me and say, Aaron, how are you? And then you're like, oh, no, I'm never. No, 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 no. <laughs> this isn't to guilt anyone. 
I've said it, I'll continue to say it, but I just wonder if, if when we really want to know how are you, that we take the time to ask that when there's space for that, and, and instead say, hey, it's good to see you. Oh, another one I crossed out, I'm serious. You know, you guys got to be quiet. You got to be quiet. I'm serious. The first 17 times I must not have been. Um, tell her you're sorry. I think apologizing is great. I think we need to do it more. I want. I think apologizing being true is that, like I wanna. I wanna. I wanna mean it. You know, if I've wronged somebody at work or at my school, and the head of school says, "Go tell Stacy you're sorry," and I don't. I don't feel sorry yet because Stacy was so mean to me, like Stacy never is. <laughs> and, and I have to go say it. I'm not going to mean it and it's going to be less than truthful, right? It's another thing to, to say to a child on the soccer field, hey, can you go see if they're okay? Will they push me first? Yeah, but can you go see if they're okay? We can do that. We can see if someone's okay. Well, am I sorry yet? Well, you can apologize. Why don't you apologize to them when you're ready? Or better yet, how about you apologize to them, maybe apologize to them when you're ready or when you feel God tugging on you? And can you let me know after you've done that? Because I want to follow up and make sure that that happens if I can. Um, is it bad to say to a kid, hey, go tell them you're sorry, especially our younger ones. They do need to learn that practice, okay? And so a lot of these things I think that we're correcting aren't necessarily bad things. It's like, can we do a little bit better? Um, consistency and credibility. Enforce what we say. Do what we say we're going to do. Um, I had a, uh, I was going to share a story, but I'm like, eh, confidentially, nah, it's not that great of a story anyway, I probably shouldn't share it. Um, I think the, 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 the consistency and the credibility um, is a tough one, it's especially tough this year last and last year. We've got this whole mask thing going on, right? And it's like... Part of that, for some of us, it's like it's, it's tough because we want to be consistent and credible and truthful, and how do we do that in this environment but not be nagging? It's really, it's really hard. It is really hard, and that's all I'll say about that. Let's combat white lies. Um, let's teach polite alternative responses. Um, I don't think white lies are really a thing. I, I think they're well-intended. I think... We want to be compassionate, and compassion's good. Is there a way that we can be truthful and be compassionate at the same time? So how can we combat white lies? Give suggestions. Talk through. What if grandma says, hey, how did you like the casserole? Did you love the casserole? And the casserole wasn't as good as what she usually makes. What can we how can we help that? How can we help that child to, to come up with an answer? Does anybody have a great answer or, or an answer that is serviceable on that one? That one's really tough. Does anybody? Have an answer? Not all at once. Whoa. Hold on. Yeah, Joy? Thanks for making Castle, Grandma. I always appreciate what you make there. Ah. Oh, that's good. That's a great one. Thanks for making casserole, Grandma. I always appreciate it when you make dinner. And maybe that's really what Grandma wants to know, right? Um, let's avoid the phrase, your truth. 
think I've probably used it. I'm a social worker. I think there's a law that I have to talk about your truth or something. But I think there's truth and there isn't truth. We might want to instead talk about your feelings, your experience. It gets a little nebulous in our world. It's getting a little relativistic out there in terms of what's true and what isn't, and I won't go on about that. Um, what about silly statements and fantasy? I would say this, yes, use smiles and laughter. Do your best to avoid deception. I think, I think we can say something silly to our students and have them believe it for just a moment. Just have that later so that when they go home and over the summer and then um, that, I think the letting that drag out is, is deceptive. But, but having some imagination and some silliness, great teachers use that. Um, <coughs> So some standard tells. Some of you I probably came here and you thought, okay, how do I tell if the student's lying? They touch their face, they look down and to the left. Actually, I don't, I'll confess, I don't know much of that stuff. I, I really don't. That hasn't been where I've, I've done my learning. Some standard tells that I've, I've, I've learned about is, is, some of these are pretty obvious, but I'll just, they're listed there. Their story changes, or man, you leave it silent, and that's not good enough because they wonder, uh-oh, I didn't say it right. I didn't say enough. And they start filling it and adding details. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. There was a student once in the past who, who they didn't say, I don't remember. And we, they, there's a suspicion that they got coached. They got coached up. And this 12-year-old, this, 13-year-old, their, their response was, I don't recall. <laughs> uh, hey, who do you think might have done this? Who do you think might have done this? How should I know? Okay. Usually, someone who's guilty, they want to, they, they, they want to distance them from it. And I'm the one to be helpful. Someone who's innocent, they want to be helpful. They typically want to be helpful. Um, soft denials. Hey, I, you know, um, you know, did you call so-and-so a poopy face? I hardly ever talked to that kid. <laughs> Didn't deny it. Um, answering questions with questions. You know, when, when you say something like, um, you know, have you ever, have you ever uh, pushed him on a bus before? And the kid says, well, does he ride my bus? You know, answering questions with questions, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a tell. Um, which, that's incriminating for me too, because I'm a social worker, and so I constantly answer questions with questions. So I don't know what that means. All right. Um, okay, quick turn and talk. Quick turn and talk. And here's what I want you to do for the turn and talk for a minute and a half. Is what is something that you have heard today that you want to take with you that might be helpful to you? Or... What is something that Kaufman or none of us talked about or that wasn't on the sheet that is helpful for you or that's been helpful for you that you want to share with someone next to you? So something that you want to take with you today or something that wasn't shared, and we'll give you about 90 seconds to do that. Go ahead.
apologize. I wish we had more time for questions, but is there anybody that had a question that they wanted to ask or, or a pro tip that somebody else said that you would love to share or, or mention? Um, I'll stick around for questions for a couple of minutes. Um, and then I've got another deal here at, at 3 o'clock, I think. Any questions that anybody had or pro tips they want to share? Yes, please. Yes. We have So we might want to address it in the big picture. So that because you're mean, no, you're mean. Well, she said this, and she struggled a couple of times with it. If it's a bigger picture thing, we might want to talk with our team about it and kind of problem solve it together. Um, if I can't talk about it in the moment, I might I might ask them to write down what happened, and they can come share with me after class and write down what happened exactly. And they can do that in class while you're teaching and it helps them cool their jets, but if it's a repetitive issue, then we might want to talk about the you know, problem solve it in the big one. Because I don't have time to do it right now when I'm teaching. I don't know if that helps or not. But... Okay. Right, so you say, we're going to do three activities, and he says, we're going to do five activities. <laughs> all day. That wouldn't, that wouldn't get on my nerves at all. Um, this is such a cop-out. This is such a cop-out. I might ask last year's teacher. I love asking last year's teacher. Yes, what did you do? What's that? Give them five activity? <laughs> Give them five activity. <laughs> activities, activities four and five should be at the start of the <laughs> I don't know. That might be a bad answer. I'm on the spot. Any one more? One more question or comment or idea? Yes, please.
And that might not satisfy them, but I, but I wonder, right? Um, if they say, why are you accusing my child, does it make you think they're more likely to be innocent or guilty? <laughs> and again, it's not 100%, but we're out of time. Thanks for coming, and uh, we'll see you.